Nexus PMG welcomes you to the Bigger Than Us podcast, which we as energy geeks lovingly refer to as the BTU. Bigger Than Us is a podcast that focuses on ideas that will shape the future of our planet and ultimately our existence. We will occasionally lean into energy topics because after all, it's the key to our collective survival, but we'll also explore other ideas and topics that we believe will have an impact that is bigger than us. And now, on to today's show. Hello and welcome to the Bigger Than Us podcast. I'm your host, Raj Daniels, and today I'd like to welcome Far Andrews to the show. Far Andrews currently serves as the Senior Climate Coordinator for the City of Dallas, where her primary function is to coordinate the development and implementation of the city's first comprehensive and climate action plan, also known as CCAP. Previous work experience includes Environmental Outreach Manager for the City of Richardson and Air Quality Manager for the City of Austin. She has over 20 years of experience working on a variety of environmental and sustainability issues with a demonstrated record of success. Her experience, paired with a strong commitment to preserving our natural environment, has earned her a reputation as an eco-champion. Far, how are you doing today? Hi, Raj. I'm doing great. Far, I know we're both in Dallas. Have you got an opportunity to step outside today? It's absolutely beautiful. It is beautiful. I know we're approaching triple digits already, and I think that's uh, exciting. I love summer in Texas. <laughs> Not too hot for you? Not too hot for me. I'm originally from the East Coast, and I'm used to um, milder weather, but I've come to realize that um, I, I, like the, I like the sun, and I like the outdoor activity here in Dallas. Well, you know, I've been here 30 years. I'm from London originally. And the reason we moved here, because my mother visited one time in November and it was 85 degrees. And she said the reason we moved to Dallas is because it's summer and winter. So here we are. So far, I'd like to start my show by asking my guests the following question. If you were asked to share something interesting about yourself, what would it be? Well, something interesting about myself. Uh, I'm a scientist a climate scientist. I'm actually the senior climate coordinator for the city of Dallas, um, where it's my honor to work on coordinating and development uh, of the city's very first comprehensive and environmental climate action plan, uh, commonly known as the CCAP. Uh, this is really exciting for the city of Dallas, and actually this is probably my third climate plan that I'm working on. I um, recently transplanted to Dallas from the city of Austin. Um, the CCAP is a really robust plan. Dallas has taken a cutting edge approach to climate planning where they're doing something that's more comprehensive than you normally see in this arena. They're doing um, resilience, they're doing wellness, they're doing mitigation. Um, and tons of co-benefits. The plan has 97 different actions across eight sectors. So this is a, a very robust effort. So climate scientist, what does a climate scientist do? So I'm glad you asked that question. There are so many different things that climate scientists do. And my original 
background, I have um, been in the environmental field for over 25 years. Uh, I am a project manager. My degrees are in environmental studies and in environmental policy. I have worked in all different arenas from air quality to sustainability to climate protection. I've also done composting, biosolids, hazardous waste. So I think what I really enjoy about climate planning and climate mitigation it is that it allows me to um, bring all of my education and experience into um, view and it's applicable to this one position. So it allows me to be really diverse and really creative. So when you were a little girl, what drove you to be a climate scientist? <laughs> so that's a, that's, a, that's a really interesting story, Raj. When I was a little girl, um, I, I, I wasn't the type of little girl that often played with dolls. But my mother would always tell me how my aspirations were to be Mother Nature. And this was also something she shared um, for the toast at my college graduation when I finished with uh, my degree in environmental studies. Uh, and I, th I thought it was so fitting that very early on, I knew that I had an affection for the outdoors. I love outdoor spaces and I understand why we need to preserve the planet that we're inhabiting for future generations. Um, this has just always been a passion of mine. You know, I find that so many children have that. I have three children of my own and they're out collecting bugs and turtles all the time, especially now during summer. And I feel like as children, we all have a little bit of that in us, but it evaporates over time. And perhaps some people, you know, mostly the adults in our life don't see the value in careers in that space. So first, I want to applaud your parents and your mom for mentioning regarding Mother Nature. But what about the outdoors? Like what drew you towards that? Um, I, I, I think I was just a kid that was had a lot of energy and um, we always lived in a small space. So I realized I spent a lot of time in the outdoors. And then I've always had a love for science. So I think this career path actually let me marry my love for science and my love for the outdoors um, and um, actually do something that I'm passionate about and that I love doing. I, I love being a scientist. I've, I've um, always aspired to do something in this arena. And I've always been, um, I've always done well in school in that area. Uh, and this just allows me to actually use those skills every day, I've noticed. So I have just been really fortunate to actually work in a career that I, I studied to be in. And this has definitely been a very rewarding journey. Well, it sounds like a beautiful marriage. And switching gears a little bit, you know, you mentioned the CCAP plan earlier, which you're part of. Can you share more about that CCAP, how it started and where you are right now in the plan? Oh, sure. So um, the CCAP plan, which is the Comprehensive Environmental and Climate Action Plan for the city of Dallas. This is really a landmark 
plan for Dallas. Um, Dallas is big oil and big business. And this is tends to be the last place that people think that the climate conversation would be happening. But I like the fact that Dallas was very forward thinking and understood that this needed to be a part of what Dallas does and how Dallas addresses its outdoor areas. The CCAP plan is meant to be a roadmap um, to speak to how the city addresses environmental concerns uh, for all different sectors. So it's kind of a blueprint plan. It talks about um, buildings and energy and transportation and green space and air quality um, and food resources. Um, I think I'm forgetting one. There are eight of these. Oh, water and zero waste. Um, so the plan kind of covers all sectors and it has 97 different actions that we intend to implement to mitigate the environmental um, hazards in those areas. Plan was actually just adopted on May the 27th um, unanimously by our city council. So there is a lot of support on the executive level for this plan. And now begins the, the fun, fast, and furious work of implementation. So we are really knee-deep into planning what our next steps are right now. Well, congratulations. May 27th is just two weeks ago, and I'm so glad I was able to interview you so soon afterwards. A couple of questions regarding the plan. You know, you mentioned the eight different areas. I have to ask what are your favorite areas? What areas are you most interested in? And you can't say all of them. Oh, gosh, I can't say all of them. Okay. Um, honestly, my my favorite, if I had to choose a favorite, and I, I do think they're all equally important, but um, one area stands out to me, and that's the air quality sector. Um, and this sector is um, uniquely important because the quality of the air we breathe has a direct effect on health. Um, and it can be tied back to um, health, well-being, and um, hospitalization, and asthma, and different things like that. So it's one of these sectors that's deeply personal to people, especially if you, if you suffer from any of the conditions that can be triggered by poor air quality. Um, and air quality tends to be a really cross-cutting um, area because uh, the mitigation for air quality, it also includes actions that are in the transportation section and actions that are in the water section and actions that are in the waste section. Basically, it all adds up to cleaner air, which was a slogan that um, EPA came up with years ago, and it's just kind of stuck with me and resonated. Um, what we learned from doing our emissions inventory in Dallas related to air quality emissions is that the bulk of our ozone precursor emissions are coming from the tailpipe. So they're coming from single occupancy vehicle use or on-road vehicles and off-road vehicles. Um, so we've 
we proposed a lot of actions in our plan to mitigate that and looking at actions that support active transportation and micro mobility sources and um, transit. So I think air quality is definitely where I think we can make a huge impact, especially since the Dallas North Texas region is currently in non-attainment of the national standard for ozone. And for those that might not be familiar, can you explain non-attainment? So what happens is um, EPA actually sets a health-based standard for um, the quality of the air we breathe. And um, if your area monitors readings that are above that standard, um, and there's a, a, a more complex calculation associated with this, where they look at the third highest reading averaged over three years. Um, but if your numbers come out higher than what this health-based standard dictates, then you're designated non-attainment. And what that means is that the air in your region is could be dangerous for um, a percentage of the population in that region. And it requires that we do certain things to mitigate that impact. Thank you for sharing that. And you said we, and I really appreciate that because I was going to ask my next question, is that what is the plan to share the CCAP plan with you know, the general public, with the citizens. And as citizens, what can we do to participate in this plan? Um, so the CCAP plan is very ambitious. Um, what we learned, another thing we learned from doing our greenhouse gas inventory at the very beginning of this process is that the city's facilities or municipal services only really contribute about 2% to our community-wide greenhouse gas emissions, um, which means that the city, if we just operated alone, we would have a very limited potential to reduce emissions. Um, so in order to make a big dent in this emissions pie in North Texas, we really had to step out into a leadership role and facilitate partnerships between businesses and schools and neighborhoods and develop resources to help Dallasites implement the CCAP plan. Um, you did ask what could residents do to help um, mitigate the impact of climate change. And I, the CCAP definitely addresses that. The CCAP is currently published on our website, which is dallasclimateaction.com. And in that document, the way it's organized is it's divided into the eight different sectors. And at the beginning of each sector, we've included um, a list of, of actions that can be taken by residents and a list of actions that can be taken by businesses, because we do understand that it's going to take all of us working together to actually reverse climate change. And I'll put a link to the plan in the show notes. And thank you for that. So I spoke to Laura Cottingham recently from the city of Houston. She's the chief sustainability officer for the city of Houston. And they recently released their plan. 
you know, one of the questions I had for her and I'm posing this question to you now is that I'm sure there are some, I don't want to use the word naysayers, but there might be a little bit of opposition. You mentioned Dallas, you know, technically or being thought of as an oil and gas city. How do you bring the, you know, all the stakeholders around the table and what did that conversation look like to get everyone on board for this plan? So in Dallas, we really knew going into this process that we had to um, build some type of coalition or agreement between our major stakeholders. So this is the most involved stakeholder process that I've actually been a part of. Um, And this is maybe the third municipality I've worked with on these types of issues. But what Dallas did was they developed a number of different stakeholder groups. They developed an internal stakeholder group, which consisted of all the city departments um, that could have an impact in their subject matter experts. And then there was an external stakeholder groups, which largely consisted of people in the environmental advocacy realm, people in um, the business community, people in academia, people in um, small businesses, um, people in the transportation realm, people in other municipalities. So we made an exhaustive list that looked like over 200 participants just in that one stakeholder group. Um, And what was so surprising to me is that during this stakeholder process, typically what you see when the when the planning process takes over a year is the number of participants tends to reduce um, as the project goes on. But in this particular instance, the number of participants and active stakeholders actually kept growing as the planning process continued. And what that told us is that people were really interested in being a part of this solution. So I feel like this is what we received. Um, We did a number of different surveys. We had quite a few stakeholder meetings and we received over 9,000 unique comments on our plan, Um, which was surprising because we actually needed to read, review, evaluate, and respond to those comments. Um, And I think that made our product um, so much better because there is something in there for all of these uh, different stakeholder groups. They can see comments that they made and things that they imagine are necessary for their community are also reflected in one of these 97 different actions. So I think it was very successful. Um, We received a lot of support going into council. There were over 50 speakers signed up to speak on this item and nearly half of them were actually supporting the plan. So that's, that's a really great statistic. And it made me feel amazing to hear some of the comments about the process and about the product. So I think uh, the majority of Dallas has really embraced this plan because we went that extra mile to make sure that we included um, a variety of stakeholders. Well, congratulations on that. 9,000 pieces of feedback is a lot of feedback and over half the people that spoke 
for the plan. That's phenomenal. You know, as we speak about stakeholder groups, can you speak to a little bit about, you know, equity in the CCAP plan? There's a lot of conversations right now regarding equity in neighborhoods and opportunities. And, you know, even the conversation around diversity right now, it's, it's very important. So I know you and I touched on it briefly earlier, but if you can speak to that, I'd really appreciate it. Yeah, so one of the one of the marching orders going into this plan and one of the cornerstones of um, the city for the city of Dallas is equity. So we really wanted to ensure that we um, infused equity into this process. And it, it wasn't a really intuitive thing. People don't typically think, oh, environmental planning, equity, um, how does that fit together? Um, and I think this is a really great question because the way we were able to approach this issue is we understand that there are definitely communities that um, experience climate change differently um, and are impacted by climate change at different rates. So vulnerable populations um, are most at risk for experiencing the impacts of climate change due to existing social or economic or environmental changes. Um, And it turns out these communities often contribute a lot less to what causes climate change. So we, we went into this wanting to assure that we considered vulnerable frontline communities in our planning process. We wanted to include their voices up front in our stakeholder groups, um, which we did. We also wanted to include um, solutions in our actions that are in the plans to help mitigate the impact of climate change on vulnerable populations. Um, So this approach to equity, what we're really trying to ensure is that no one is disproportionately affected by climate change um, at at a more severe rate. So, and we're we're being really keenly aware of where these communities are and how we can um, form partnerships and relationships to work on mitigation and education together. Can you shed some light on? how vulnerable populations are more affected by climate change? Um, So there are a couple of different ways that climate change impacts affect Dallas. Um, You know, Dallas residents are really familiar with extreme weather. But what we're seeing with climate change is that these weather extremes are becoming more severe. Um, So when we see flooding um, and storms and heat waves and droughts, they're a lot more severe than they were in previous years. Um, And we know that we have large concentrations of vulnerable populations in our southern sector and in our western sector. And that's where we're seeing um, these effects from flooding and heat waves and droughts um, take their toll. We're also looking at other social factors in our CCAP plan, like access to food. 
Um, so we want to make sure that we address food deserts and how that connects to vulnerable populations. And we're also looking at transportation, making sure that um, in the event of emergencies that people have access to um, adequate transportation. So uh, there are a number of different ways the CCAP plan is seeking to kind of level that playing field and reduce that impact and provide resiliency in the system so that um, so that we all um, work together to make sure that we're mitigating climate change at the same level. Thank you so much for shedding some light on that. So far, you've been on this journey for a long time now. What are some of the big learnings you would say you've had on this 20, 25-year journey being involved in climate change? Um, so I've, uh, I've had a number of diverse roles in the environmental realm. I've worked for the state of Texas, TCEQ, for five years and the city of Austin in diverse positions for uh, over 17 years. And during that time, I think I've experienced a lot of professional growth. And I've learned from a lot of great supervisors and a lot of great coworkers that have gone on to do amazing things on a national stage. Um, I think one of the things that I take with me everywhere I go is something that I learned um, very early in my career uh, in, in the environmental world. And I think one of the challenges was um, closing the gap between. Um, the community, understanding how their actions affect the environment and understanding what they could do to mitigate that. Uh, one of my favorite quotes is, nobody can do everything, but everyone can do something. I'm not really sure who said that outside of my supervisor in one of my very first roles in environmental stewardship, but what this really, how this really resonates to me is that it's about communication and connecting the right person with the right solution. Um, I think I kind of hit a wall with encouraging people to take action until I realized you really have to tailor the actions to your audience Actions as simple as refueling your vehicle during cooler periods of the day helps to reduce the amount of ozone that's formed. That's something everyone can do. Recycling is being made a lot easier here in Dallas with our new um, multifamily recycling ordinance. So making sure that people understand what all their options are so that we can meet them where they are and help them understand how they contribute. Because I think everybody can contribute. And that's, that was one of my big takeaways throughout my entire career, is that everybody can do something. We just need to um, tailor our solutions to their situation. I love that advice and dovetails nicely into my next question which is more specific along the lines of advice. And that is, if you could share some words of advice or words of wisdom with the audience, what would it be? And you can't go back to everyone can do something. Okay. 
That's my favorite word of advice. Um, <laughs> let's see. What would I tell the audience? Let, um, let's do. Let, let's work with CCAP then. What can people do around CCAP themselves? Let's make it tangible for them. Yeah, you know, I I think this is a personal question for me too because what I've discovered in being in this environmental stewardship role for um, the majority of my life is that there is really a higher bar for stewardship. And I have a platform and an opportunity to talk to people about what they can do. Um, And what I noticed is that people also watch what I do. Um, And I think this became really, I became really keenly aware of this in the elevator, when someone commented on the fact that I bring my lunch to work every day in containers that are reusable, um, and they kind of said it in in an off-the-shoulder kind of way, but I was able to take that opportunity to talk to them about why we don't want to continue to use single-use plastic and why bringing my lunch helps reduce the number of uh, single occupancy vehicle trips that I personally take. And it helps me to reduce my carbon footprint. So um, it's kind of like about being a change. And when you realize that you have a platform, people are watching you, then, um, you know, make sure that what you're doing um, can inspire others. So I think that is definitely, and I think we all have a platform now that social media is how most people get their news and get their information. I encourage people to not just take action, but tell people the positive actions that they're taking. I think word of mouth really helps to encourage people to want to do more and want to be a part of the movement. So, um, yeah, I, I could talk about all the actions you could take, but there's a lot of people out there doing things, and I just want them to use their voices so that other people know what to do and how to do it as well. Thank you for sharing that. So far, you're a young African-American woman that's been involved in the climate change space for the last 20 years. What would you say, how would you encourage other members from, let's say, you know, diverse backgrounds to get engaged in this space? And what are some of the opportunities you see going forward? So I think that's a very interesting question, because I know when I initially um, showed interest and started studying in this arena, there weren't very many people who looked like me in the room. I am a woman, and then I am a woman, an African American woman of color. Uh, but what I have seen over the decades that I've been working um, on improving environmental conditions, environmental stewardship, and climate change is that a lot more people of color are starting to gravitate towards this arena. This is um, there weren't very many. Um, majors in this arena when I started either, like Paths for Education. 
Um, and now I'm noticing that um, the top schools are offering degrees in environmental science and environmental engineering and and pushing environmental stewardship and sustainability degrees. So I think what I would really recommend um, is to take advantage of these opportunities, right? Now, there, there is just a, a, a wealth of connections that can be um, taken advantage of now, especially in the academic area. So learning what the solutions are and how you can be a part of this movement, I think is really, really important because as I mentioned earlier, vulnerable populations are typically populations of color, um, children, elderly, and people with diminished lung capacity for some other reason like asthma. But populations of color tend to outnumber all of those. And I think because we can be disproportionately affected by climate change and affected by environmental deterioration and affected by um, extreme weather events, that we really need to be a part of the solution. So um, that's, that's my challenge. I like to um, speak at events like Women in Science and I've also volunteered at the Ann Richards School for Girls, really trying to encourage young scientists to think um, along the environmental arena as their career path. But I also tell them that environmental stewardship is cross-cutting. So no matter what you study, if you go into business or you go into journalism or you go into um, any other career, you still have an opportunity to carry the environmental mantle with you and demonstrate stewardship and um, promote stewardship. So um, I think there are a lot of ways to participate in this environmental movement this day and age that weren't available just 15 short years ago. Um, so I am definitely trying to encourage the next generation to seriously consider this as a profession because um, we need thought leaders and we need voices from the affected community to be a part of the solution. Well, I so appreciate you and I'm so glad that your love for nature, your why, if you will, has kept you in the industry for this long. I've really enjoyed speaking with you. Is there anything that we have not explored that you'd like to talk about or share before we go? Um, no, I mean, I, I think we really talked about how Dallas's CCAP plan is just a landmark plan for the city. I'm really excited about the potential. It was recently adopted. There is so much work yet to be done on this plan. So I would love to visit with you. A, further down in the future to talk about some of the great programs and projects that we have underway um, as a result of the implementation of this plan. Well, I would love to catch up with you again in the future. And just between me and you, I actually think that there's a huge opportunity for Dallas to become the clean tech capital of Texas. There's a lot of work going on here right now in renewable energy. There's 
a lot of people that are excited about it. And I don't see any reason why we can't. So I really appreciate you. And I look forward to catching up with you again in the future. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And if you like our show, please give us a rating and review on iTunes. And if you want to show your support, please share our show with a friend or reach out to us on social media where you'll find us under our Nexus PMG handle. Bigger Than Us is a Nexus PMG production.